1: Heavenly Father, we thank you once again tonight that we can be honored and privileged to be here in your house. God, we pray that you would bless us as we minister from your word because, God, we believe and we know that your word is truth and that your word is life. And, God, we pray that truth and life would rule and reign tonight in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. I want to try and conclude the series tonight on offense. An incredible series. I cannot say that enough. An incredible life-changing series. I know for my life, but so many people's lives. And I want to talk tonight about escaping the trap. How we can walk away from offense and, and not become a victim to the bait of offense and be trapped in our lives. And tonight I want to try and close out the series, but I also want to remind you again, the opportunities of offense are endless. Look what it says again in Luke 17, verse 1. Jesus speaks. He says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. They're coming. They're coming. If they haven't come yet, keep living. They're coming. If you think you've been offended, just watch out. You haven't seen anything yet. Well, pastor, you've been really negative. No, I'm not. I'm just being truthful tonight. Jesus said many opportunities are going to come. And he goes on to say, but woe to him through whom they do come. So watch, we're not causing offense to those around us. So the opportunities to take the bait of offense are endless. And a lot of those opportunities, we can throw our hands in the air and say they're genuine. I mean, these are real things. People wounded us. People hurt us. I mean, we were wronged and there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. I mean, a lot of those things we could try to justify. We don't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. But they still happened anyway. But you know what I've hoped that we've accomplished throughout all of this series that this whole month is this to realize our struggle is not the offense. Tonight, your struggle is not the offense. That's not the battle we're fighting, the offense. The battle and the struggle is what's our response? Come on. What is our response? Because offense is a choice that who makes? I choose to make. I choose to become offended. People can do things to me, but it's my choice to become offended. So the struggle's not the offense. We know that's there. The struggle and what we've hoped to accomplish throughout this series is to show every one of us that our response is, must be right. We cannot allow it into our hearts because to allow it into our hearts, it becomes a part of us. Our response has to be right. If not, we're going to be ensnared. If not, we're going to find ourselves trapped. If not, we're going to find ourselves getting bitter. We're going to be finding ourselves seeking revenge. We're going to find ourselves trying to take things into our own hands and figure out things for ourselves one thing that we really have learned is this. If we're going to hold on to unforgiveness, we're not going to be forgiven ourselves. Because if we don't give, we're not going to get. God's word is very clear on that. So here's where we've got to get to in our lives. Are you ready? Romans chapter 12 and verse 17 says this. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good Things in the sight of all men. In this passage, I love this passage, and I encourage you when you go home, read Romans twelve, beginning in verse I think it's verse nine and stuff, because the title in my Bible says the behaviour or how to behave like a Christian. And I think that's kind of important that we know how to behave. But notice what it says repay no one evil for evil. That's completely against our human nature. Because when we're hurt, we want to hurt back. But we want to hurt more than what we've hurt. But we've got to get to that place where our response is right. That we We want good for people. We want the best for even those who have hurt us and offended us and wronged us. That we don't want evil to come upon them. And in our message on Sunday, which was perhaps maybe one of the toughest, if not the toughest out of the whole series, we were dealing with letting go. Forgiving those. We were talking about how to hold on to an offense or the unforgiveness is like holding a debt against someone else. And we were reminded that the debt that God set us free from, that if we struggle to forgive someone else, we need to be reminded that we paid a price or we had a debt price that none of us could pay. But Jesus, by his shed blood, wiped it clean. And if we don't watch, therefore, when people wrong us, when they hurt us, when they offend us, we begin to believe that that debt is owed to me. How many times have we said, well, they owe me that. She owes me that. He owes me that. So what we begin to say is we expect a payment of some sort because of the fact that we've been wrong. And after all, that's how the court systems of This nation, this world works, isn't it? If someone wrongs you, human justice says they're going to stand trial for what they have done. And if they are found guilty of those charges, they have to repay you. They have to give back to you. And that's exactly what we read of on Sunday in Matthew chapter 18 of that servant who was us, We stood before a master who forgave us, but then we went and looked at someone who owed us and would not forgive them. And how that unforgiving servant wanted his fellow servant to pay what he owed. So he had him imprisoned and given over to be tortured till the compensation or till he was able to be compensated for that which was due him. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to find forgiveness like that. There's always going to be more expected. If if I turn around to Dan and say, hey, if you do this, then I'm going to forgive you. You know what begins to happen? I then begin to doubt his forgiveness. I begin to look and say, well, did he really mean that? You see, when I'm trying to do it in my own strength, you, you begin to go through things. Well, the only reason they're really doing it is because they got caught. They don't really mean that. Then we begin to look and say, man, if that's the type of forgiveness that they think I deserve, come on, I mean, they're not even emotional. They haven't even shed a tear. I mean, all the hurt and all the pain that I've gone through, they doesn't even seem like they have remorse for what they've done. You see, you're never going to find satisfaction when you're trying to find a compensation on your own. You hold an unforgiveness and a grudge and waiting for someone else to pay you back. They're never going to be able to pay you back what you want. You're always going to want more. And you know why? Because that's not the way of righteousness. That's not the way God wants us to live. Listen to what else is written in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, further down in that passage of how to behave like a Christian. It says this, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is, is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That verse tells us there that true judgment. It's by godly wrath, not of your own doing. We must release that person. We must give that situation over to God who is more than able to handle it. You see, when I've got unforgiveness, I'm still holding that person accountable for a debt that they cannot pay me because they can never satisfy me with anything they do. But as I release that person, guess what? God takes over. God takes care of them. But listen to this. Don't worry about them. Our concern needs to be us and God. My number one concern is my relationship with God and unforgiveness is stopping that. As a result of my unforgiveness, there is no relationship with God. So I, through forgiving that person, I'm handing them over to God. You think God's going to let people go scot-free for what they do? But even if he does, don't worry about it. Because they may live 40 years on this earth and never suffer. But there's no greater suffering than standing before God and saying, depart from me. Come on, there's no greater suffering than eternal damnation. Now we know that God doesn't will that any should perish, that all should have everlasting life. But let God handle the problem. Don't hold unforgiveness because then what you're doing is you're saying, God, I don't need your help and I'm not allowing you into my circumstance and situation. And as a result, you'll find yourself damned by your own choosing and your own making. It's unrighteous. It's wrong for us as children of God to avenge ourselves. Oh, the flesh wants to. Oh, my God, the flesh wants to. Come on, do I have a witness in the house? Come on we want to oh my goodness they they've only oh, oh they put me through they, oh man I want to see them weep I want there is no satisfaction in that maybe for a moment but that's not a lasting satisfaction you'll never find blessing and life in that it's unrighteous for us as children of God to avenge ourselves we will never find forgiveness Or better said, we will never find a new day. What do I mean by that? We'll never go beyond it. There'll never be new days. There'll never be new blessings. There'll never be new hope. Why? Because we'll be locked right at that place. Got to realize God's got a new day for us. New opportunity that doesn't involve that offense. We've got to leave that behind. If we don't, we'll never get beyond it. It will never become something in our past. So you know what happens, Rebecca? It faces us every day. We wake up with that hurt in our heart. We go to work with that hurt. We're eating lunch and we're thinking. We're going through. At any time, at any moment, that thing can come back. Why? Because we never move beyond it. We're still living with it, staring us down in our face. Someone texted me with a great question this week, and this is what they said. Pastor Philip, hook, line, and sinker. What about forgiving yourself? What about dealing with the guilt of what you've done to yourself? They put we've covered offense to others and we've covered offense by others. But what about when we offend or blame ourselves? As I read that, I thought, man, that's a great point. We haven't really covered that. But then I began to think, hold on a second. The principles of how we respond and react to other people are the same principles that we need to use in response to ourselves. The same scriptures, it's the same prayers, even if it's against ourselves. It still works with us. Why? Because the same principles of how we release and forgive others is the same principles that we must apply to our lives. The only problem with us is it seems to be a harder process, doesn't it? Because you can forgive someone and move away. And if you don't see them, you often don't have to be reminded. But you see yourself quite a lot. You deal with yourself quite. You can't get away from yourself. So it may be a harder process. But listen to me. We must maintain the course and allow God to heal us from the wounds that are self-produced just as well as the wounds that others have given to us. There's freedom in God. There's forgiveness in God. What a freedom that we can live in. We just have to continue to escape the trap. Say that with me, escape the trap. Come on, we've got to escape the trap. We've got to steer clear from the bait of Satan. Because offense in itself is not going to cause us any problems until we take the bait. Look at Acts chapter 24 and verse 16. The Bible says, this being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and men. Let me read this again. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and men. Can I read that same verse from the King James Version tonight? It says this, and herein. Do I exercise myself? To always, to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and towards man. To have a conscience that is void of offense towards God and man. I hate to tell you this, but it takes effort at times to stay away from offense. Look what Paul writes. I exercise myself. King New King James says, I always strive to. I exercise myself. It's a constant workout sometimes that I must go through. How many of you have ever gone to the gym? Probably one of the worst days you ever faced in your life. The great thing about a gym is if you go all the time, it's great. But if you do not go all the time, I was just in England a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and we had the old boys versus the young boys of soccer. So I haven't played soccer for a long time. So I go out there and I'm hanging. I'm on the old boys team just to let you know. I just had to help them out a little bit. I know you were thinking I should have been on the young boys, but I was on the old boys team. But it was great. But the problem is I was using muscles... And twisting and turning in ways that I hadn't done for a long time. Now, if I thought I was sore after the game, can I tell you the next day? People always look at you and say, just wait till tomorrow. I've come to this conclusion, Miss D, it's not tomorrow I worry about, it's the day after tomorrow. How many knows what I'm talking about? The second day is kind of, but the third day, oh my God, you think you're about to turn the corner and then you think, oh God, is there a corner left to turn? You're in agony. You're pain. You just oh my goodness, you can't hardly get out of the bed. And when you do, it takes you like five minutes to straighten up, and then you think you've made it, and then you drop your toothbrush, and you oh, you're back down again. It's miserable because you're exercising muscles and doing things that you haven't perhaps done for a long time. You know, don't touch me. I'm in agony. You know, leave me alone. But it's amazing as we continue to work out. And continue to do things. You know what happens? We don't suffer the same pain anymore. We can work through it. There's strength. We're not going to perhaps hurt ourselves picking up a box. Because we've strengthened those muscles. And we're stronger now. Because of exercise. We're probably going to be a lot better off. And and guess what? We're going to feel better. We're going to be stronger. And we're a whole lot less likely to get hurt. When we're doing any type of physical exertion. You know what the Bible just told us in that verse? That we need to exercise our hearts. Why? Because we've got to keep our hearts void. We've got to strive to keep our hearts void of any offense towards God and towards man. That's work sometimes. Come on, I'd love to tell you right now that I can just say to people, I forgive you and move on and it never bothers me. Come on, have a witness in the house. You know, let's be honest, there are some people out there that are easy to forgive. Why? Because the offense wasn't maybe that bad or you really love that person or it's your kids or blah, 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 whatever it may be. And you've been offended. You've been hurt. You've been wrong. But it's kind of easy to forgive them. Why? Because you know what? Uh, We love them. We're, We're feeling good. We've been in a series on forgiveness and offense. So, you know, our hearts are all fresh and we're exercised and we've got the scriptures alive inside of us. So, you know, it's easy to handle. Those things. So guess what? Because it's easy to handle, there's no permanent hurt, no permanent struggles. We don't get hurt because we're in shape, you know, spiritually. We're in shape. We can take it on. Someone said to me Sunday, Pastor Philip, I've been really working on not getting offended and just allowing God to touch my That's exercising, working on it. What the Bible means to work out your own salvation, it doesn't mean figure out what you want to be part of your salvation. Do I hear an amen? I'll take this, this, this. No, God says work on your salvation. Work it out. Flex those muscles. Get in the word of God. Know what God's word means for your life. Exercise it. Say with me, but. Isn't it a shame there's always buts? Because it's great to the easy ones that are easy to forget. But you know what? There's those people And those offenses, that guess what? They'll challenge us to our very core. They'll take every ounce of spirituality and blessing, life, the word that's inside of us. I mean, they will take every part of us. Why? Because you know what? There are going to be some offenses that we're going to come across in our lives that we're not trained and prepared for hate to tell you this. Maybe you've faced them already. So what happens? The wounds are deep. The wounds are real. And as a result, even though we love God and we know the word, we struggle. We struggle through series like this. We still struggle. We still struggle. There is freedom. I'm telling you, and there is a liberty through God. And we've got to still keep working through those things. Don't give up and say, I guess I'll never forgive. That's what Satan wants you to do. You need God to take your hand and walk you through that forgiveness with you. You need to begin to exercise your right as a child of God. And you begin to realize, if that's me as a child of God, that does not belong in my life. And as you begin to walk with God and God begins to reveal things to you, you're going to begin to realize it's worth every effort. Why? Because eternity is a long time. You know, there's a saying out there that the same way that you eat an elephant is the same way you eat a pizza. You just take it one bite at a time. But you see, when we look at the elephant, we just think to ourselves, there's no way. But we well, you know what we've got to do with God. We've got to keep biting And keep biting, keep believing, keep trusting, keep standing upon God. At first, it may seem overwhelming to you. But as you keep working through it, releasing it to God, saying to God, I can't do it. Remember, the disciples cried out to God when he said, offense is going to come. And they said, how many times are I going to forgive? And God said, you just got to forgive him as many times. And they cried out, help us, God, increase our faith. What were they saying? God, this is too overwhelming for me. I can't do that. But aren't you glad that through faith, which really is relationship and trust in God, unmerited favor through what we don't deserve, but he's given to us. Guess what? We can keep biting. We can keep biting. We can keep biting. And we can make it through. We can make it through. And don't go and find those people who offended you and bite them and say, Pastor Phillips said we've got to keep biting. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about eating that pizza and that elephant. But we've got to release it to God. There may be many times that I'm going to have to ask God, heal my heart. Because God, I'm still struggling. And asking God to help me to forgive. Because I know I need to. So how can we work through this? I want to give you a few key areas today because you know one of our biggest obstacles, one of the biggest obstacles that you're going to face in your life is pride. Because pride is the unwillingness to admit first and foremost that there is a problem. So pride won't admit the fact that you're hurt. When people turn around and say to you, well, how are you doing with that situation? Oh, I'm fine. Everything's great. No, it's not. Pride is just a... You know another way how to spell pride is this. D-E-N-I-A-L. Denial. And that's not just a river in Egypt. Boom, boom. But another way to spell pride could be denial. Why? Because pride wants to deny the fact that the situation ever took place. And as long as there's denial, there's no issue, there's no problem. Guess what? There's no need for healing. Because there's no problem. But there is a problem, but we're denying the fact there's a problem. So we're not opening up our hearts to be void of offense towards God and man. We're blocking it off and we turn around and say, God, thank you. I don't need your help. I'm covering it under. And it's gone. You can only put so much under the rug before it will trip you up. Because denial is never going to be a healing process for you. There's no healing in denial. I said there's no healing in denial. It's just delaying the inevitable. And it's not just delaying the inevitable. It's magnifying the effect of what's going to happen at the end. Because if you don't deal with it, it's just building and building and building. You can turn a blind eye. The Bible speaks about an ostrich. What does it do? It buries its head in the sand and thinks, if I pull my head up, everything's going to be hunky-dory and good as rain. Guess what? You put your head in the sand, there's a problem. You pull your head out, the problem's still going to be there. You can't deny your problem away. Hello? You can't deny your problem away. You can't deny it. Can't deny it. But there's a freedom in coming clean and asking God to help you get out of your hurts and pains. The only way God can help is if you include Him in your life. If I'm trying to... Work out and that debt's owed to me and I don't want to forgive them. I'm trying to work out all this myself. I'm denying the hurts and all this. And I'm saying, no, I love that person. But inside my heart's eaten up. Why? Because denial, pride is refusing to allow me to let God deal with that hurt and pain in my life. I'm going to say a statement right now and it may shock you, but I want you to hear this. God wants you to know today that you're hurt. God wants you to know that you're hurt. It's kind of crazy. I didn't say God wants you to be hurt. But God wants you to know that you've been hurt, that you've been offended, that you've been wronged. And you know why? Because when we admit we've been hurt, it's then and only then that we can begin to ask him, cry out to him. God, will you help me? Will you help me? AA says, the first step to recovery, is the first admit that you have a problem. Is that not right? You've got to first admit you've got a problem. God wants you to know, or God wants to make sure that you know that you've been hurt. For what reason? So you can just come clean and say, God, I need your help, I need your strength. This is exactly where the Lord wants us. God wants us sometimes to get at the end of ourselves. Are you listening to me tonight? God wants to use circumstances and situations. Why? To get us at the end of ourselves. Why? Because then we'll suddenly realize we can't keep doing things in our own strength. To do things in your own strength does not bring spiritual growth. You're not super spiritual and holy because you're managing your own affairs. In fact, what you're doing is you're putting God in an idle position and he's sitting there with his arms crossed just waiting for you to let him in. You think you're super spiritual and doing everything right? No, you're not growing spiritually, but instead you are just becoming more susceptible to failing and to falling. The first step to healing and freedom is to recognize the fact that you are hurt. Then God can begin to work in your life. Aren't you glad that God doesn't leave you in that position long? That he'll step in and he'll take over. But you've got to allow him. You've got to give him access. Unforgiveness locks down your heart. But a heart that's open and said, God, I'm hurt, I'm wounded, I'm struggling. Come on, be honest with God. God, I'm struggling to forgive that person. Coming to the end of yourself, saying, God, I'm hurting, gives then God the right to move in your life, to recognize that hurt, that he can begin to do a healing. Come on, that person, that situation. God's forgiveness can begin to flow out of your heart. But you know what? There's another step that we need to take. Look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You've got to understand this today. Jesus is not writing this as a suggestion. But we have made it an option for our lives. There's going to be times of relapse. Anyone knows of relapse that we've given that person over to God and then we see them and all of a sudden those thoughts and those feelings start to come back in our life. Can I tell you right now, it's not because you haven't forgiven that person. It's just because the fact of this, that Satan knows that's a deep wound and if he keeps prying and if he keeps prodding, he can begin to open up that thing again. He begins to bombard you with those things. But you know how you counteract those things? The Bible says is in 2 Corinthians 10, Verse 5. We've got to cast down all those arguments when Satan comes in and begins to fill our minds with all these things. We've got to bring everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, against what we know of God, God's knowledge, God's life for our lives. We've got to bring every thought. Come on, every relapse, every hurt, the memories, we've got to bring everything into captivity to what? To the obedience of Christ. Can I say it this way? We've got to take it back to the cross. That's where our freedom is at the cross. There's no other place. So when these things come in and they do, it doesn't mean we haven't forgiven them. It just means that Satan's trying to put that burden upon us again. You know what we need to do to, yes, take it back to the cross, that place of our forgiveness and grace. But here's what else we need to do. We need to begin to pray for that person. or those people who have hurt us. Perhaps the hardest prayer that you will ever pray. And I want to tell you right now, you've got to start praying a prayer, not the one that you want to pray. Come on, you know what I'm talking about tonight. God, I pray that you would smite them down. God, I pray that their barns would be empty, that boils like Job would break out all over their body and they wouldn't even find a piece of clay to scrape their skin, that they would be miserable, that they would be oppressed, that everything they touch would turn into dust. And God, come on, let's be honest right now. That's the kind of prayer that many of us want to pray. There is freedom in God when we realize, number one, we've been hurt. But secondly, that we begin to pray for those people. And here's how you must pray. You begin to pray God's blessing upon their life in the same way that he's blessed your life. You begin to ask God to give you a love for that person. Now, I didn't say you have to join hands with that person and sing Kumbaya again. But you begin to ask God to give you a love for that person, that you'll begin to pray for them. I'm encouraging you tonight when you go home or in your time of reading, I'm really encouraging you to read the whole chapter of the book of Psalms 35, the whole chapter, Psalms 35. Because here's a psalm that David writes that he titles, The Lord is the Avenger of His People. David's in distress, and I haven't got time, I'm trying to move on. But David's in distress through opposition, those who are coming against him. And in verse 1 of Psalms 35, I'm just going to touch a couple of verses. David cries out and starts the psalm by saying, Plead my cause, O God. With those who strive with me, fight against those who fight against me. Can you almost see the tone of David? Come on, sick them, God. Get them. They deserve it. How dare they come against me? Don't they know I'm the anointed of God? God, get them. I mean, drill them down to the ground. Knock them for six. Why not knock them for 12? I mean, just take them down. Take them out, God. And then he begins to explain in verse 11 and 12. Fierce witnesses, they have risen up. They ask me things I do not know. They reward me evil for good to the sorrow of my soul. He's now beginning to try and justify the fact of his prayer. I mean, I've done nothing to these people, but yet they're rewarding me evil for good. They're accusing me of things I don't even know. Come on, God, get them, get them, get them. But you know what? God, like that. Changes David's heart. Like that changes David's heart. Because read what it says in the very next verse. Verse 13 and 14. David stops himself and he says, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own heart. I paced about as though he were my friend or my brother. I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. Here's people who were trying to destroy David. They were attacking him with evil when he had done nothing deserving. But you know what he said? But as for me. Come on, we've got to get to that place in our lives. But as for me, we've got to begin to exercise our hearts again that they would be null and void of offense towards God and man. But David said, but as for me, remember Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to be different to what everyone... You can choose for yourself, but we're going to... Come on, we've got to come to that place in our lives where we cry out and say, but as for me, what happens David's actions were not based on the actions of others. He prayed for them. As if they were his closest friend, brother or family. I believe in praying for those who have offended you. And as a result, there's going to be great freedom that you're going to find in your life. Those offenses... We're not prepared or those those offenses. we're not prepared when we, we can't overcome them in our own strength, no matter how much we exercise our hearts, but as we begin to pray for them, a healing comes. I begin to close tonight. There's another step that we may have to take, and that's the healing step of confrontation. It's not an easy step in any shape or form. Perhaps in some cases it's needed. that we need to go to that person who has wronged us. And ask them to forgive us. Hold on a second, Pastor Philip. I mean, they've wronged me and I have to ask them to forgive us. Yeah, let me give you a help here. When you go to someone, you don't stand before that, some, that person and go to them and say, you did this, you did this and you did this. You don't bring up everything that they did, all the hurts and the wounds. But what you do is you go to them and say, I ask you for forgiveness. For my response and the action that I took. Because I had a bad attitude and I responded wrong. You may have been deeply wounded and hurt. But I'm telling you, don't bring up all that pain again. You're there for a healing. And you're there for a releasing. Oh, but God, I want them to know. God says, I'll avenge. Come on, vengeance mind, mine, says God. I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll handle it. You just give it to me. Let me conclude with this tonight. You'll realize this, that the greatest growth in your life is perhaps through the toughest times. It's not through the easy times. Hard places will always be a part of your journey with the Lord. We cannot escape them, but we must face them. For they are part of the process of becoming perfect. That's what God uses to refine us. Remember that about the heat of circumstances, trials and offense that God uses those things in order to purify us, to make us as refined gold. But in choosing to run, you're going to seriously hinder and affect your growth. But as you begin to overcome the different obstacles, you will find yourself becoming stronger and stronger. And you will find yourself having a greater compassion to other people. You know who has the greatest compassion for people? is the people who have been hurt, perhaps the hardest. Because when they come through that, God gives them such a love for others like they never knew. The greatest love that we can have perhaps has come through the toughest times of our life. Because what happens is you'll not only be stronger and have a greater compassion, but you're going to fall in love with God in a way that you've never fell in love with God. I want to challenge you today, if that's not happening in your life, if you're not getting stronger, if compassion's not rising and your relationship with God is not growing stronger and stronger, it's because you have held on to offense and unforgiveness, and therefore you will never recover from the offense. Recovery, just like offense, is your choice. I want to choose to be well. I want to be choose to be healthy. Yes, some offenses in our lives will just go away like water off a duck's back. But some are not. Some you're going to have to work through with the help of God. Some of them you're going to have to constantly remind yourself. But you know what? Begin to pray. Pray for that person. Pray for the blessing of God upon them. And the Bible says, pray for those who despitefully use you. You know why the Bible tells us to pray for them? Pray for the blessing of God on their life for this reason. Pray that God will bless them so much that they'll leave you alone. Pray that God will bless them so much that they won't even remember who you are or where you are. Pray that they'll start treating you right because God has treated them right. Pray the blessing of God, not the blessing of God. The blessing of God. But through the process. You're going to grow and mature. Maturity doesn't come easy. Comes at a price. And you know what that price is? To keep going. To keep going. To keep your heart free. To keep your heart clear. Satan's a liar and he's going to say you didn't forgive them. You did forgive them, but he knows that wound is deep and he knows that he can come back and just dig around a little bit and begin to open up that wound. But I'm telling you right now, keep going. Keep going. As it said in Acts 24 verse 16 again, and herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscious void of offense before God and man. He never promised life would be easy. But God promised us this, that my grace is sufficient. I mean, here's Paul, an incredible man, probably arguably the greatest man of God that has ever lived on the face of the earth. And he cries out to God and he says, you know that thorn in the side? Whatever it may be, some kind of offense that afflicted him, that buffeted him, that the angel of Satan had come. And he cried out to God, take that from me. And you know what God says? My grace is sufficient. The grace of God will bring you through. That through him, we can't make it in our own strength to overcome. We cannot make it and set our own selves free from all offenses, but with his grace we can. You see, when we lose our life for the sake of Jesus, we're going to find his life when we release it all over to him, every hurt, every wound and every offense, then we'll have the proper focus on the end result and not the struggle. Did you hear that? We'll then have the proper focus and that is on the end result and not the struggle. Remember how I began tonight? The problem and the struggle you face is not the offense. It's your response to it. You see, and as we surrender and give everything to God and say we can't do it on our own, we'll have the proper focus and that is not on the struggle but what God's going to do through the hurt and through the pain and through the healing. One last scripture, and Peter says it best in 1 Peter 4, verse 12 and 13. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you. As though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. You know what Peter's saying? It's not about the offense, but our focus needs to be about the coming glory. That we can be exceedingly glad. Well, I'm never going to get over it. God says you're going to get over it and you're going to have joy and gladness and victory and blessing in your life. Come on, don't get sidetracked. Don't get hindered. Don't get swayed. Don't forfeit the awesome gift of salvation. He's our prize. Come on, he's our prize. And everything else is just trying to steal that prize from us. You need to wake up every day and tell yourself, I'm a child of God. And therefore, I've got no time for offense. Come on, I'm a child of God, and greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I'm going to exercise that I have a heart that is void of offense before God and before man. Come on, offense is a choice, and it's a choice that I'm going to refuse to take because I'm going to have forgiveness and blessing and freedom in God. If you believe that tonight, would you stand to your feet with me?
0: We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225 274 1607 or email us at PastorP at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.